money if the Pirates' low payroll might finally pay off with something other than everybody being really, really angry. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. And this specifically is Daily Shot on Pirates. My Daily Shot show that I've been doing every Monday through Friday for a few months now is being split up so that there's one on each of Pittsburgh's three major league teams. And yes, wise guy, the Pirates are one of those. Too much to talk about all in just one show every day. So I've been plotting this one for a while, really wanted to kind of split them up. And well, here we go. And over the weekend, over the weekend, I was served up this little nugget to bring to you for this opening episode. The Phillies across the Commonwealth made known that in 2020, they as an operation lost $145 million, which sounds just horrific. And, you know, if you're not a Deep Pockets owner in a league that's guaranteed to bounce back at the first sign of normalcy in society, it would be. And it still is going to be. I I wouldn't wish $145 million debt on almost anyone in any business, in any walk of life. There's going to be some debt for Philadelphia to crawl out of. But what I did with this number is what you've just been doing for the last 30 seconds since I threw it out to you, and that's trying to figure out what that means for the Pirates. And here's the best I can do with that. The Phillies had a payroll in 2020 of $203 million. Now, that's if they would have played the entire season. You follow me here? If they'd played all 162 games instead of doing things prorated the way they did with everyone being paid for 60 games, they would have been paying $203 million. Now, what that tells me is that the Phillies, obviously now their payroll, 40% of the schedule equals 40% of the pay. So out of that payroll, you end up around 75 or $80 million that they would have paid out in payroll. And... They lost 145, which means that, all right, yeah, it it seems a little bit challenging to try to believe that. However, other teams, including the Atlanta Braves, who are publicly traded and thus are forced to release at least some numbers to their shareholders have produced similar numbers. And while they don't line up exactly, neither do the team's individual payrolls, neither do the team's individual revenues, how much money they bring into the stadium, how much they bring in in sponsorships, how much they make in local TV money. Bottom line, the one thing that they all can agree on seemingly, is that they lost a ton of money. And 
I'm here to tell you that leaves me with a warm and fuzzy of epic proportions for two reasons. One is the obvious. The more money these teams lose, the more money these individual owners lose, the more you're going to see them making the kind of moves that we're seeing, not coincidentally from the Phillies and not signing J.D. Real Muto, letting people like that uh, just walk away, the same thing we saw with the Red Sox and Mookie Betts, just letting him basically walk away because they couldn't afford to pay him. They can't afford to pay him. These big, big, big money teams, and the Phillies are one of them, just letting players walk away. It changes the entire complexion of the system, and that, as anybody who reads or listens to me regularly knows, lights all the correct fuses toward discussing a salary cap. There has never been a salary cap in any sport that wasn't first accompanied by owners losing money. The number one reason baseball has not had a salary cap is that not enough owners were losing money. Well, here we are, kids. That's number one. For me, when it comes to talking about baseball and the Pirates, that is always number one because that is the number one thing that needs to happen for the Pirates to regain any sense of uh, normalcy in terms of competing on a regular basis. But not just for the Pirates, for everybody. Look around baseball and see all the teams that haven't won in forever. That's number one. My number two is this, and it's a little sneakier. About a month ago, Ben Charrington, the Pirates general manager, was quoted as saying that he might look into certain free agents. And, yeah, okay, I'll wait for you to get done laughing in case you hadn't heard it the first time. No, 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 seriously, no, that, that's enough, okay? You can stop now. <laughs> here's, here's where the thing actually makes sense, though. When you have a market that gets completely blown up, like this. And owners everywhere are telling their GMs, uh-uh, no, seriously, stop. Just stop. We're not signing anybody. Even the Dodgers, who don't ever run out of money with their ridiculous local TV contract, run out of roster spots. Even the Yankees, although they've been a little more prudent in recent years, run out of roster spots. So you're going to see a glut of available free agents, of really, really good baseball players who are out there. If they're the right age, if they're the kind of group that you could bring in and have them be part of an operation here for years, who would blend in, let's say, with you know, the Pirates' better young guys, assuming they get their act together, like Brian Reynolds, Kevin Newman, so forth, Brian Hayes. I'd very much consider giving it a shot. There's more than that in the Pirates' favor in this regard. The other thing is, is as we all know, their payroll was 50 million before the proration. It was 53 actually. Before the proration. So 40% of that we're talking about just a little under 20 million for the entire year. 
I don't doubt for a second that the Pirates, like every other team in professional sports in this year, lost money. But I also don't doubt that the Pirates lost less money than everyone else. Maybe than everyone else combined. Their payroll wasn't just the lowest in baseball. It was the lowest by a very significant margin. And no, this wasn't some, you know, really shrewd, advanced thinking on anyone's part. This is just dumb luck. This is just how it played out, that the Pirates had less to cut than anyone else. They had less to lose than anyone else. Now, add on top of that, being rid of Chris Archer's salary, not paying Trevor Williams, uh, you know, obviously Starling Marte's off the book. You're still paying Gregory Polanco, you know, for at least however long it takes for Charrington to move him after some kind of hot stretch next season. And believe me, that's exactly the only thing they want to do with Polanco. There actually is money to spend. Will they spend it? Believe it or not, that's not going to be a nutting call. It isn't. I don't care if anybody believes me on this or not. Because I happen to know the truth. From the inside, this is the call that will be made by Charrington and to a lesser extent by Travis Williams, the new team president. If they see something that makes sense for the Pirates in 2021 and beyond from a free agency standpoint, they are equipped to go get it. See, you're laughing again. Stop that. (laughs) Oh, wow. This portion of Daily Shot on Pirates is brought to you by our friends at Mike's Beer Bar and North Shore Tavern. For anyone who doesn't know, those are sister restaurants that are situated directly across from 115 Federal, where the Pirates Brass is located, uh, or to put it in different terms for you, right by the Willie Stargell statue just across the street. Mike's Beer Bar serves 500 beers on tap, 80 of them from local taps. North Shore Tavern serves steak on a stone, which has to be experienced, not just eaten, experienced to be believed. They bring it to you on an 800-degree smoking stone, and you basically cook the thing yourself to your own satisfaction. A lot of fun, but it's that much better to eat Mike's Beer Bar and North Shore Tavern on Federal Street. I'm not going to open the very first pirate show I do or daily shot by having you laugh at me. So I will say this. I will say that I will be surprised if the pirates spend on free agency, but I don't think it's impossible and I don't think it's close to impossible. Keep an eye on the market. That's all I'm saying. Watch who all doesn't get signed. Watch who all continues leaking out financial information the way the Phillies just did, conspicuously, for a reason. All of this is heading towards something that I think will ultimately be good for baseball in Pittsburgh. When we come back, I'll be joined by beat writer Alex Stone. Thank you.
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back. I'm joined now by Alex Stumfar, beat writer on baseball at DK Sports. Hi, Alex. Hey, Dan. It's uh, so far away from baseball season in both directions. Like, it just feels like the other one ended forever ago, and the next one is forever away from us. That it's probably healthy in a way to step back and do some broader contemplation on things. And I've been doing some on Oscar Marine, the pitching coach. But before I do, I'd like to hear your thoughts on not just the first season that he had, but the first calendar year that he had, because it was a process that obviously began in Bradenton and even before that. Yeah. I mean, like you said, especially in Bradenton, that's whatever I think a lot of what he wanted to do was starting to be implemented. Like he had that, you know, analytics for dummies session really early on in spring training. And he he's like, hey, we're going to bring in some new ideas. We're going to catch up, you know. There's a lot of stuff that we have to do to get better as an organization. We can't keep going down the same path that we have been the past couple of years. So I think really in Bradenton is whenever we really saw Oscar start to make this pitching staff his own. And look at results-wise, it was drastically different in terms of how the Pirates attack pitchers this year. There were there were hardly, you know, as many fastballs thrown as there were compared to previous years. And I think that was a big product, you know, pitch to a pitcher's strength. Guys like Chad Cole, Joe Musgrove started throwing more breaking stuff and for the most part had pretty good years. Chad Cole had a wonderful year by pretty much any estimation. I mean, just the fact that he made it through yeah. uh, the full 60-game schedule uh, intact, let alone uh, efficient. And if memory serves, I think he only had the one really bad start. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. And, and another He's actually was- my... Uh- Mount visit subject right now. So if you take that away, he had like a 266 ERA. There you but go. But she had a finger problem. So yeah. Yeah, he had that that blister that he kept looking at and everything here. Uh, but other than Chad Cool and the latter part of Joe Musgrove, meaning like the last couple of starts, basically garbage time. I mean, I understand the whole season was garbage time <laughs> to an <Yeah>. extent. <laughs> but at the same time, I mean Musgrove came back. Uh, from an injury, and then he he performed, eh, and then and then he got good in his last couple of starts. Um, I didn't feel this Oscar thing. Like I'm not ruling him out. I'm not saying that he can't be that guy, but it sure looks like whatever it was that he wanted to do didn't happen anywhere near what anyone had hoped for, and will still take a lot longer. How about that? That that's my that's as close as I can come to a positive spin on it. I mean, just look at what happened this year. I, mm-hmm. I think if this was a normal year and he would have had 162 games, we would have seen more general progression right. from a lot That's of these fair. guys. Mm-hmm. Rather than, like you said, with Joe Musgrove, who, guy who came out of the gate shaky, but you know was really good down the down the home stretch. Same with a guy like Mitch Keller, who didn't give up a hit his last two outings. 
So I, I think that was definitely a challenge for a guy like him. Him more than I think any other part of the team. Like the hitters struggled more, but I think it was a tougher job for Oscar to coach this year just because of that long layoff. And you could do well, he so much lost, yeah, virtually. He, he lost guys to injury too. You mentioned yeah. Keller. Keller comes back and he was unhittable, but he also was walking people all over creation. Yeah. Um, and, and that's always been part of his issue, including when he's had his blowups. It's just he puts too many guys on base and he doesn't know how to get out of it. Um, I, I look at, at this pitching staff and I, I saw it was just to me, it was just such a disappointment. But I, I also want to throw this in, though. And, and here's part of why if I sound like I'm maybe even unfairly down on the guy. Look, you and I were in Bradenton, and we're walking around Pirate City, and we're walking around uh, McKechnie, and we're asking them questions, pitchers. Alex, they were writing songs about this guy, and they were making it sound as if they had been led by the dumbest man on the planet in Ray Searage. And, and they, they never ripped Ray by name. But all this stuff, my eyes have been opened, and I've seen the light, and Oscar is here now, and everything is spectacular. And then and then they go out and they pitch like crap for the most part. I mean, it's one of the worst pitching performances in Pirates history, in the franchise history. Oh, they were markedly better than they were in 2019, and which they were actually mar- was the worst. Right. <laughs> right, and in 2013 to 2015, and, you know, when Ray Searage was pitching coach, you know, they they were anything but the worst. So I, I guess that's the part that bugged me was that they this whole Eureka thing gets old and, and I'm really resistant to it when I when when I hear it uh, at any point. Uh, I didn't see the magic of Oscar Marine. I look forward to seeing it. I look forward to seeing a full year of it. And again, I'm not burying him. I, I just what what will that look like? You know, I mean. And who's going to be here to execute it? Who has the talent to execute it? I mean, the talent to execute it, that is a problem that we have to address whenever we talk about this season. There's only so much that Oscar Marine could do with the Miguel Del Pozo, with Derek Holland, with with some of these guys, to Trevor Williams to an extent, where they tried to make mechanical changes and was just either too little too late or just wasn't ever going to take. Um. I, the way I look at this pitching staff is there is a fantastic, fantastic core of young pitchers in the minors right now between Priester, who is going to be a top 100 prospect, whatever those lists come through. They're going to get Kumar Rocker in the mix. I'm really high on Brennan Malone. Cody Bolton is going to be a guy who's going to come up to the majors last next year. And then you still got the Mitch Keller, the JT Brubakers, and then some fringe guys like Kranich, who they just added to the roster, Michael Burris. There is pitching talent coming up. I don't know how much Oscar can do with a lot of the guys who are major league ready right now. Like we saw someone like Jeff Hartley, who kind of struggled at the end of the year, but for the most part was a really reliable hand out of the bullpen. Same with a guy That's like Sam Howard. Yeah. Yeah, Sam Howard was also a, a but, pleasant surprise. Yeah, and I think that's what we're going to get with a lot of the guys who are in the majors right now. Marketable improvement for some. Howard, Hartlieb guys, they were guys who were used wrong that learned that from what Oscar Marie was able to bring to them. You know, throwing more breaking balls in Howard's cases, more sliders than fastballs even. Hartlieb 
ditching a fastball, only going with the sinker. There is stuff like that that they can take from it. And some guys can become good pitchers that are already on the major league staff. But I look at a lot of the guys in this organization. It's going to be that next wave. And that's going to be part of uh, where part of that player development that John Baker and whoever the eventual pitching coordinator is going to have to be. And, you know, the minor league pitching coaches like Joel Hanrahan's probably going to get his hands on a lot of these young guys in the near future. That's going to be really important. And I think that's where we're going to see Oscar really. I don't want to say shine because that's too optimistic, you know, looking at this through rose colored glasses type of look. But that's going to be his real test whenever he gets. We'll these see. I just want Uncle I, I want Uncle Ray's name cleared. That's all. And well, these I guys, mean, Rick, next year in Bradenton, if I hear that same crap again in Bradenton, I'm calling it out, and I didn't last year. Oh, my God, we have found the Messiah. He's going to save us from Ray Searage. It's like, come on, man. You know, well, Ray's, Ray's problem was he didn't evolve, and I think that's what these players were really looking for more than anything. They saw what was going on through the rest of the league, and it wasn't happening in Pittsburgh. So, And then, and then it didn't happen in Pittsburgh anyway. Nothing did. It was the worst pitching we've seen. How they could they definitely improve? No, Alex, no, no. they were horrendous. They we improved every game. despite all the injuries. Despite all the injuries. I'm not saying they improved to the point of being great or good or whatever, but they went from horrible, you know, garbage in 2019 to, okay, okay, that's – the team didn't go 1941 because of the pitching. It was more the offense than the pitching. It, it absolutely was mostly the offense, yes. But the pitching was horrendous in its own right. Alex, thanks for being on, man. When we come back, just one question. segment of this daily shot of pirates and all episodes will be just one question these come from you you can send them to me on twitter facebook instagram i i don't care however <laughs> you want to send it to me uh, do they still have carrier pigeons i'll take that too uh, our first one comes from jeffrey benedict it's a good one uh, jeff asks as we've seen in the NFL, player development rules in a salary-capped league are the Pirates set to take off if the sensible yet improbable occurs? If not, how far away are they? Now, what Jeff is asking here in giant parentheses is if I, meaning me, not Jeff, get my wish and there's a salary cap in Major League Baseball, how much smarter are the Pirates than the next guys? Because that will now become the only separator. Which is a great question. Which is a great way to get your question asked on this show. Ask something that involves a salary cap becoming true. Uh, Jeff, my ducking answer to it, though, is that we don't know. Uh, we have not seen the first trace of Ben Charrington and Steve Sanders and their development. We just haven't. Uh, we know that there's a history with Charrington. We know that there's a history, meaning in Boston. We know that there's a history with Sanders, meaning in Toronto. Both of those are encouraging things. Uh, the removal of Larry Broadway as farm director a month ago 
was a very encouraging, like celebration-worthy event in this regard because he was the last real prominently placed Hoka Hay guy in the organization. What will the Pirates do? We have no idea, and I am not about to prejudge them in either direction. The first order of business is bringing in talent. That's a completely separate skill set from developing that talent. I strongly suspect that it's going to take the Pirates some time to have enough talent to see whether or not they're properly instructing it, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? If you have a bad player who's just got no ceiling, can't run, can't hit, can't whatever, there's only so much the world's greatest instructor can do. So we'll see, Jeff. That's that's a great start to this feature, though. Thanks so much for to everyone uh, for listening today. <laughs>